Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the X-Button Gaming Podcast. In this episode, me and my friend Caleb talk about um, evolution and revolution in gaming and some of the impact it's had on us and some of our fond memories of it and just a lot of different aspects of it. We just had a lot of fun talking, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, if you have any thoughts on it, feel free to reach out to us. And a fun note too, um, in this episode we do talk about the Mario Kart 8 Booster Course Pass and at the time that we recorded it, those levels were not out. Immediately after we recorded, we checked, and they were out. And we actually sat down and played them, and they're actually pretty fun. Um, and we were talking about how they look graphically, and they might not be perfect, but they look pretty good. And those Mario Kart Tour levels, especially the Ninja Hideaway level, was a really cool addition. I was a big fan of that level. So hopefully you all have a chance to play it and uh, let us know which uh, of the courses you enjoy the most. But other than that... Enjoy the episode. <laughs> Sidetracked immediately. <laughs> so, Caleb, how you been doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on here. Uh, can you believe we've already known each other for like, what, 12 years? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and we've only liked each other for six. That long? <laughs> I don't know. It feels like a week. <laughs> no, it's been... It's a COVID week, so that's five years, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been a... We've known each other for quite a while now. Yeah. But but it's been a it's been a fun ride. Lots of games played together, which is why it felt like you were a perfect uh, person to have on the podcast. Which is funny. Will we talk about any of them? The games that we played? Yeah, I, at least one. I know okay. you're going to bring up at least one of yeah, them. That's true. But the rest of them probably not. Um. Okay, man. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Since we're already talking about what we've been playing, what have you been playing? Well, ironically, replay stuff mostly lately. Probably. Uh, Skyward Sword. I decided to finally pick that up. It was on sale on the eShop. On the, so on the Switch? On the Switch, yep. So I've been playing that again, which is definitely different. That was one of my somewhat gripes about some games on the Wii, where the, the, I just didn't like the motion controls at times. forced waggle movement? Yeah. And, and Zelda, for one, for me, was one. It, it just didn't fit. I wish they would have given you the option to not do it. So it's kind of nice to have it in a console form just use a controller and because they designed the game around it it made it a little more weird because you have to use the joystick for a sword and it doesn't always work like i like but i'd rather that than them rebuild the whole game and totally change it because that was a cool new mechanic but um so that's been kind of fun and been so just real quick on that like yeah. so when you say that you use so you use the joystick the left joystick to swing the sword right. The right, okay, so you still move with the left joystick, Correct. but the the left, the right one you used to actually do like what would have been the waggle controls on the Wii. Yeah, but it, remember you had to do directional stuff too, so sometimes it had to be angled up or down. Yeah, because you do side swipes and stuff, and you could Correct. do like that X motion for certain attacks. And they guard certain ways, so you have to be able to go from different directions. Okay. So you move the joystick the way you want to swing, so you're still getting that kind of... That motion feely almost. 360 controllability without having to move around a room. So have they... Because I, I haven't played it yet. I, in, all, in all honesty, I've never actually played Skyward Sword. I started it back on Wii, but like you said, I was already kind of done with motion controls by the yeah. time it came out. Yeah. Um, but I still have the that sick uh, gold Zelda Wii remote, so that's cool. That is cool. But um, would So at this point, are motion controls almost completely taken out? Is it all done via button and analog? It will. So it's funny because I have a setting that says it's on, but I haven't noticed it. I think you can do motion aiming like some of the other games have done where you tilt the console. But like it, to do your bow and arrow and stuff? Right, but it doesn't hasn't seemed to work because I have a 
the um, I'm only a little bit into it, but it doesn't seem to have ever happened. But I haven't tried it. Yeah. So I think it can do some motion. Okay, but it's not forcing your hand. Right. And I think you can actually do full motion with the Wii Motes. I think the with Wii the, Motes with the Joy Cons. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Um, it's cool. I mean, some people probably like motion controllers, so it's cool that it's still an option. It probably was easier to keep it there than they get rid of it completely. I would figure. Um, but I like that they don't force it on you. Right. That they at least came up with some system to make you not have to do it. Maybe I'll finally play it. I do... Like I said, that was my gripe. I Especially, I mean, we're kind of jumping a little bit. Coming through like Ocarina of Time. And you got used to that play style. And then I get you're trying to do the Wii special thing. But it just didn't, yeah. it didn't play and feel the same. I get it. I So I... I did. I got a Wii at launch, so I got Twilight Princess on my Wii because I was just so stoked. And like, I liked it back then, but that novelty for me of the motion controllers died pretty quickly. Like, so uh, I I understand why most people bought Twilight Princess on the GameCube and why most people why that's the more sought after version of the game. It's worth way more than the Wii version. Well, and I think they did because I think that was a dual dual console game. The motion controls were kind of hokey. Skyward Sword, they actually built around the Wii as that a is premise, true. so I think the motion controls worked better. Yeah, and it was Wii Motion Plus, too, and that was right. undoubtedly it better helped. than just the Wii Remote. I th- but I think it's just, if you want to sit at your couch at 9 at night and play a game a little bit, you don't want to be up swinging around and be whatever. You want to sit there and just relax and play. Yeah. And it didn't give you that option. And that's what I, I like is... Can I do it both ways? Maybe I want to do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. No, that's cool. I'm glad to hear that. It's nice that they have both features, but I, I like think. that what they, we think. Okay. But what they f- do have, they f- kind of did properly. So right. I, it was, it's kind of been on my possible pickup list, but I think maybe I'll, well, I have so much to play. One of these days I might play it though. Cause it's one of like two Zeldas I haven't actually played yet. Just try so. it on mine and see if you can live with it. That's and true. And that would tell you. Yeah. That's a good point. But. So I might do that. Um, have you been playing anything else? Um, we've played some Overcooked a little bit, and that's been pretty fun. Um, yeah, it's I'd, funner than I, I expected. Like yeah, I'd played some of it before we started playing it, but only in like very like a few times with huge gaps in between and in multiplayer four player settings. So we were able to play it much more cooperatively. Right. Yeah, that was good. Um, uh, played most of the way through Dread, Metroid Dread. That was a lot of fun. I met that. Tried the final boss a couple times. I need to go back and pick up some more stuff. And then my desire to replay anything at the moment completely died. So <laughs> it just kind of stopped and I moved You're on so for now. so close. I know. You were so, this close to greatness. <laughs> and I won't make it. But I'm hoping to go back and do that. It just in the I wasn't in the mood to I get it. run back through the same areas. I think I might have had one Emmy I hadn't finished, maybe. Oh, yeah. But, Doing that will help too. Whatever I don't know what it'll give you, but I'm sure whatever it'll give you will make a difference. I I really liked that element more than I expected. Yeah. Emmys were fun. I liked that little little bit of horror that it brought to it, like that fear of like it got your heart going. Yeah, you can't beat it, so you have to run. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> the music. You and change. I talked about it, and it helped me be more open to it. And it, I think it worked. It wasn't so much of the game that it's just all that's happening, but it made it interesting, something different. Yeah, so that was good. Yeah, it was well ba- it was well paced. Yeah, and then about the only other thing is I just started playing Mario Kart Eight a little bit more since those new maps are coming out, hmm. and uh, just played a few rounds of that just to kind of get 
in the feel again because I'm excited to start playing some of those new maps. Yeah, me too. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a little bit. How about you? What have you been playing? Um, so a few episodes ago, I don't remember, three or four, I had talked about um, that I played SteamWorld Dig. Mm-hmm. And I had never, I thought I'd finished it, never finished it, ended up really liking it. So I, after that, after I finished that, I saw, I went to see a SteamWorld 2, SteamWorld Dig 2 was on sale. It wasn't. So I was like, I have other stuff to do. Put it on my watch list. Got the notification like two weeks ago. It was on sale for five bucks. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, picking it up. Well worth, it was worth the, it was only like 20 bucks. It was worth that, but I didn't need to pay it because I had so much other stuff to play. Right. So all that out of the way, I started playing that and I, it's the perfect example of what a sequel should be. It's SteamWorld Dig 1 was fun. It was, bas- it was uh, looking back at it now, it was very basic. I mean, because I, I think I explained it as it's basically a Metroidvania meets Dig Dug. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it was. And you had some upgrades on the first one, but, you know, nothing fancy. And this one, like, everything about it is better. Like, they, they've added new mechanics to make make everything a little easier, but the overall game is also a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, the exploration is just a lot more. It feels like in SteamWorld Dig 1, you were definitely going down just, you can't, nobody can see my arms other than you, but like just a down down path. Right. It was very like. Skinny right, skyscraper. Exactly. Okay. Just straight down. You, you mean, sure, some were bigger than others, but you, there was no like offshoots. This has a lot of like certain areas if you don't dig right you'll miss like an area over here where you can go through and there might be a hidden like a secret or something there's a little more strategy in like you're digging and how you do it but then there's also items that help you get back to those areas so like this one has a hook shot in it and i'm not that far into the game that's probably one of the last things i did before i stopped playing it yesterday i think is when i played it last and um there was no hook shot in the first one, but I, I, the hook shot's the best item that they could have added. It's just so fun to, you can pull yourself all over the place. You can use it to swing a little bit. I'm killing enemies with it. Like I'm having more fun, like trying to ping enemies out of the sky with, with it than I am like <laughs> using the conventional weapons, right? Which is basically just a pickaxe. But and but any long story short, it is the ideal sequel because the first one was definitely like. I don't, this is just me guessing or just saying what it felt like, but it felt like a small team made a game off of something they envisioned and it was done fantastic. And then the second one feels like that small team has grown. They have the money now and they did exactly what they've always wanted to do because they had all of the resources to do it because <laughs> the first one was successful. Like the really good demo that was deep enough that's like, oh, this is legit. Let's exactly. do the real thing. Yep. That's exactly what it feels like. It feels, and it's a true sequel. It kind of picks up on a story, the story from where the first one ends. ends. Um, just a good game. It's, I know it's four years old now, maybe five. I know that... Uh, James has told me many times it's great, but I just put it off. I'm playing it now. Absolutely love it. Cool. So the other day I also pulled out my Vita. hadn't played my Vita in a while. So I had to charge it. Wouldn't charge. Scared the crap out of me. So I thought that uh, something was broken, but I I decided to just buy a new charger. Bought one online, and it came a day later. And it started charging and works just fine. So, <laughs> so that was good. Because the, the weird thing was the cord was charging it. The orange light was coming on, but it would just flash. And I was like, what is going on? Like, it doesn't make sense. But a couple of things I read said that it might be that the cable's bad. So luckily that fixed it. But the reason I even started playing my Vita is somebody uh, bought me a copy of Windjammers on the Vita as a gift. Nice. Um, and I hadn't played a lot of Windjammers, um, but I had played a little bit of it. And are you familiar with it? Not 
I've never played it. So it's like a it's ba- it was basically an arcade game. I think it was on the Neo Geo as well in the the early to mid '90s. But basically, it's like you're using discs and you're trying to throw discs into your opponent's goal. Um, and you can do you know you can lob it. You can you know according to how you use the analog stick, you can throw it different directions. Uh, you get like big special moves you can do. Um, on its core, it's very simple, but like a fighting game, it's also got a lot of depth mm-hmm. and a lot of strategy to it. It's just so much fun. I was playing it. I sat there and played it for like four hours the other <laughs> night. It's just, it, there's something about just like going through matches and I don't know. It's a fun game. Uh, the computers can be difficult. Sometimes they're a little easy, but I've been enjoying that. Uh, I tried to play, play a match online uh, just to see. And apparently nobody's playing Windjammers online on the Vita. <laughs> Come on. Where is everybody? I was like, where, is, where are my people at? So those trophies are out. <laughs> Ain't getting those online ones. But um, but it was a cool gift. It's fun to play. And it's one I'll definitely pop in and play matches quite often, I think. Um, but then, because I had my Vita out, I was like, you know what? I've never played, but I own the collection of on Vita. Jack and Daxter. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was like... You've never played Jack and Daxter? Never played Jack and Daxter, which is a shame because I love Naughty Dog's other works. So. I say that, and I've only played one of them, but <laughs> I loved it. Well, the first one, I assume. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I started on. I own them all. Never got to them. <laughs> one day. That can be your next <laughs> podcast episode. You can you talk go. about how you finally played two and three. So, what did you think? So I'm only three hours in or okay. so like i played it i've been playing it the last couple nights um like hour maybe i'm further than that an hour or two at night every night um i like it though very straightforward platformer just like it's the collectathon platformer like mario 64 and uh you know pretty much spyro anything like that from yep. the the 64 ps1 era yeah um it the only couple of issues i've had with it is the camera angles or camera so dated yeah now like it's they tough. did not upgrade it for this port yeah. Um, but as far as like just a straight up like what it is, I love uh, platformers. I love 3D platformers. I love collectathon platformers. So and the like, humor too. Yeah, they it is pre- pretty funny. I, the thing that there's no subtitles and like so I was playing it while we we're watching TV. So I can't have the volume up. And I'm like, I cannot find... If there are subtitles, I cannot find a way to turn them on. I wonder if they didn't include them on the Vita because the screen's so small. Because I'm pretty sure be. they're on... Because I have it for PS4, and I'm pretty sure it has subtitles. Maybe. I Maybe there's an update or something, too, and I just didn't maybe. update it. But I could not find subtitles. Because so their like, banter's good. Yeah, and I, I, I would... <laughs> so I felt like I was a kid in the 90s, because I, I would turn the volume up just a little bit. Because, like I said, we were watching something. I was holding it to my ear. And then Jasmine was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just trying to listen, but I'm trying not to, like, disrupt what we're watching. But, yeah, it, <laughs> it was kind of funny to look at, but... This um, is the problem with multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. I'm good at it. I swear. Um, but, yeah, all in all, so far, I, I would say I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to beating it or moving, getting through it, moving on to the second and third ones because I hear everything I've ever heard was that the second and third ones were, like, the first one was good. The second and third were great. So I'm looking forward to it, and I'm hoping that eventually, once I finish it, they'll actually continue the franchise because it's weird that it's been dormant for so long. For how I, popular it was. Yeah, it was a big title, um, a big series on the PS2. I guess that Naughty Dog just got so busy with Uncharted and then The Last of Us, they just didn't have time, or maybe they... I mean, they're owned by Sony, so maybe Sony was forcing pushing their resources to the games that were selling. Well, maybe if the people that were really passionate about platforming style aren't there anymore or... 
yeah. whatever. It's just, you don't have the right passion behind it. It's not going to be good anyway. No, that's very true. And that could be it. There's all, who knows what it is. I, I've seen articles recently. There's all kinds of rumors going around right now with PlayStation titles. And one of them has been that like Naughty Dog's been working on something and it's been a Jack and Daxter game, but that's, I have no proof. It's just a rumor. So, yeah. um, but it would be cool. I, I would like to, I'd like to see a, a modern day Jack and Daxter, something like they did with Ratchet and Clank. Cause the Ratchet and Clank reboots reboot and then Crack of the Nexus. Was it Crack of the Nexus? Into the Nexus? Into Something the, like that. Whatever it was. I played it. It was fantastic. I love both those games. So I'd like to see them do that with Jack and Daxter. I think it deserves the same kind of treatment. That'd be awesome. And then, other than that, I pulled out my 3DS yesterday because I'm trying to... There's, there's a list of games that I want to get that I'll be talking about on another episode soon. Um... But I haven't really started playing anything, but I did start downloading some stuff. So yeah. get, get you don't excited have to play for them now. Just buy them. Yeah, get excited to hear some of my thoughts on some uh, 3DS eShop games soon. The only other thing I mentioned last time that I started playing Dauntless, um, and I've continued to play Dauntless with uh, a nephew and one of our friends, and it's it's fun. It's ba- like I said, it's Monster Hunter Light. The more I play it, the more it is just Monster Hunter Light. It's very it's a very simplified version of Monster Hunter. I like the core concept, but there is some weird thing about that game where every time I play it, I start getting really drowsy. And it's not—it's not like I'm bored. It's not like I'm not doing stuff. But I don't know. Like is it I can like play ambient music or something. That I don't. Just... I have no. I could not tell you. I just noticed the other other night I was playing it. I started dozing off, and I was like, I must be really tired. And then the next day, like middle of the day, I was playing it. I started dozing off. I was like, okay, there's something with this game that is like putting me to sleep. <laughs> Their ambient music's the calm app in the background. <laughs> yeah, they're just trying to put people to sleep. It's a bad way to make money. Um, but I, it's a fun game. I, I've liked it so far. I'll, I'll keep playing it, see if it sticks as I continue to play it. But yeah. so far, so good. It's, it's just nice to have something to do that's not the same old, same old with, with my friends. So. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of why we went to Overcooked. Yeah, something, some, different. something different. Yeah, so which was a which was a good find. We finished the first one and moved on to the second one. So much we liked it. Yep, and so, the expansion and the all. DLCs. Yeah, we finished all the expansion for the first one. That's we are overcooked heads. That's what we're gonna call ourselves now. Except, we are overcooked. Except only one of us has the trophies. Yeah, don't get me started on that. That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> Salt in the wound. Salt, just pour it in. Speaking of overcooked. Too much salt. Um, yeah, so that's about all I've been playing as of right now. I have Horizon Forbidden West. I have been distracted with a lot of other things, so I haven't started it yet, but I intend to start it soon. Did you finish the first one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I did. I loved it. I got yeah. the platinum trophy and everything, man. I That's a humble brag, and nobody, everybody's just like, wow, you're a loser. Humble, but, <laughs> humble brag? Yeah. <laughs> Quote, unquote, humble brag. <laughs> I know. I'm a, I'm a loser. Um, no, I'm looking forward to playing it, but then that Kirby game is coming out this month and that looks really good. Like there's a lot of stuff coming out. I haven't played, picked up Triangle Strategy yet. I want to play that. Not to mention the fat stack of games on my other consoles I haven't even touched. I have a problem, (laughs) but let's go ahead and move on to the news section of our podcast. Wonderful. So we'd already talked about Mario Kart a little bit as of... Today, according to the internet, but really tomorrow, because it's still not up yet. We tried to make it today. <laughs> we tried so hard. <laughs> so the first booster course from the booster course pass is out. Um, well, well, at the time you listen to this, it will be out. Yep. Um, so the first eight courses, they are 
Paris Promenade, which is our promenade whatever, uh, from Mario Kart Tour, Toad Circuit from Mario Kart 3DS, Chaco Mountain from Mario Kart 64, Coconut Mall from Mario Kart Wii, Tokyo Blur from Mario Kart Tour, Shroom Ridge from Mario Kart DS, Sky Garden from Mario Kart Advance. I said, is that from Mario Kart DS? Oh, yeah, it was. Um, I almost, I don't know why I wanted to say 3DS, but... And then the last one was Ninja Hideaway from Mario Kart Tour. So, the internet was all wacky about this. Apparently, some, so many sites were saying it was supposed to be up 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Others said 7. Others said just the 18th. And, uh, well, it sure wasn't up by 4 or 7 or 8 or 8.15. So, <laughs> so, we waited to the last minute to try to try to play it before we did this, but we finally gave up. Any of these levels that you are specifically excited for? Never really played Tour much. I think it's cool that they're bringing new content they made for a platform that most people didn't play Mario Kart on. So they must have put a bunch of effort into it. So I think that's going to be cool to play those in a normal Mario Kart game. I agree. And I'm all for older courses. We were kind of talking about it. Chaco Mountain's not my favorite from 64, but I like seeing that stuff come through and... Like you mentioned, I hope that means some other better courses are coming. Yeah. Because we don't know what they all are yet. So. No. I hope that we get a lot more, and I really hope at some point they give us extra battle courses. But I don't know. I, why we don't have Block Fort yet is just beyond me. Preach. But I, I, I kind of agree with you. I've played a little bit of Tour, but only when I was trying to get Platinum Coins to try to get the Mario 35th Anniversary pins that I very unsuccessfully um, didn't get. But... I remember when I was playing tour, some of the levels on there, I was like, this is a really cool design. Like I remember being like, why don't they have this in right. the, the main games? I couldn't tell you what level it was right now, but because of that memory, I'm excited to see they are bringing some of those levels to the game. I'm really curious how everything ports graphically because for mobile game, you usually don't have to put as much into it necessarily or as much detail. Maybe they rebuilt it. They just took Maybe. some of the basics and... And I heard they weren't actually doing it. Uh, they had somebody else do A B team? I, yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. This first pack, I think, will tell us a lot. Yeah. But I'm still excited for more courses. They're adding so many courses, really keeping this game alive. Yeah. I think my personal favorite course out of all these was probably Coconut Mall. Mm-hmm. I was not a big fan of Mario Kart Wii. I liked it, but I just didn't play my Wii that much. Um, but I did like it. was a cool level. Yeah. Um, but like you said, uh, Coco Mountain, Choco Mountain oh, yeah. uh, was just okay. To- Toad Circuit, I remember being kind of a bland level. Um, or one of like the basic levels, like right. Mario Circuit or whatever. Right. Start off on it. Yeah, it's like the first level probably on the 3DS. I- I'd say one level that I actually really liked on here was Sky Garden. Um Mario Advance, I very clearly remember that being you're like driving on like like mossy rock in the sky, like on top of clouds. Hmm. I remember that level. It's, it must have been my favorite level on the, the Game Boy Advance game because I don't remember many other levels. <laughs> so um, that one, I hope that translates well. I think it'll be a cool one. Yeah. Um, did you have any news items that you wanted to share? Nothing really video game related. Uh, I think the interesting one that apparently was news last year that I missed but is officially done now as Amazon bought MGM for $8 billion. Everybody's buying everybody. Yeah, you've talked about that on a few of your episodes, but I thought that was pretty interesting because that means now Amazon Prime could have all Bond movies. MGM doesn't really have that many really popular franchises, but it's a big movie studio to me For to be sold for only $8 billion. Doesn't seem like much. No, they're an old one too, aren't they? The Lion? Yep. Yeah. 
So that's that's interesting. I wonder just to bring it around to games. I wonder if they're buying MGM if that gives them rights to things like GoldenEye, like for as far as the game goes. Yeah, I don't know who owns that actually. Yeah, if it's like if that's a license owned by the MGM or if it's a license owned by somebody else. Yeah, but that was like there was a um, jumbled up my words there. There was a GoldenEye like port remake that they were going to do, not the Wii one, but like another one where they were going to try to make like a faithful remake of uh-huh. the sixty four one. That got stopped up um, a few years back, maybe even like eight, nine years ago, because of rights issues. Right. Um, so, I don't know. It would be interesting if that ties in. Yeah, and Amazon, I mean, the only game that I know of that they made was that MMO. Right. So, it would be nice if maybe they were more lenient with the rights to some of that stuff. I, I don't know if there's any other games based off MGM Studio movies, but... I mean, everybody played GoldenEye, <laughs> so very popular. Uh, a remake of some sort of that would be cool. That would be cool. I didn't even think about that. That, yeah. that would be cool. I yeah, it, just interesting. I mean, just you talking about that made me think about it. Yeah. Did you see the um, movie poster for Sonic Two, the the second Sonic movie? No, but I just saw a trailer for it. So the trailer was cool. I did you watch the first Sonic movie? I didn't yet. I've I've meant to, and it's just never happened. So I really liked it. I've all heard, only heard good. Yeah, I, so on the just the straightforward level, like that first trailer they showed, I audibly laughed at the theater when I saw it. When I saw Sonic, I was like, "This movie's gonna be trashed." He's you hideous. And the rest of the world. Yeah, so I, I was like, I at that moment I checked out. Yep. I was like, "Nah, not gonna see it." So when they pulled the movie, delayed it by six months, and remade him and made him look like Sonic, I was like, "Okay." You've earned my ten dollars. <laughs> like yeah. I'll go see this movie in theater. I love Sonic. Like I don't know that I've mentioned that before, but I grew up a Nintendo kid. But I always wanted a Sega because Sonic was the cool kid that I really wanted to play. I love both now, yeah. but I have a lot of love for Sonic. Um, and so the fun. This is why only reason I brought it up. Trailer was cool. The movie looks good. I loved the first one. I'll see the second one. But and I'll post a picture of this on the Instagram, probably on the post when I say the new episode is up. Mm-hmm. The new poster is a direct. Uh, they tried. It's so cool. They tried to like make a direct reference to the cover art of Sonic Two, two? from Seriously? the Sega Genesis. No, the I two is the that. same style of two, and it's got Robotnik uh, actually like leering over the two like he is on the cover. It was beautiful. I was like, I I applauded. I was like, that is all I need. I was already excited for it. I, from the previews I'd seen, I thought it looked like a really faithful sequel. But that poster, I was like, beautiful, beautiful. That's not the poster. I was like, that's, like <laughs> that's what I'm like trying. See, now I have to look it up. Can't yeah, it, they just released it yesterday. Huh. I, uh, I'll have to look for that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I don't know why. I would have thought it would have pulled right up. But it. I was exceptionally impressed, impressed with it. That sounds awesome. Um, so. I won't delay too long looking for it. There we go. Sorry, guys. I'm looking it up on my phone because I knew somebody had sent it to me. Um, and then swipe over once, you'll see the game art for a reference. That's so cool. So that's yeah, amazing. That was via Alex. He yeah. sent he. I saw the poster Respect. first because he sent it to me. I hadn't seen it yet. Maybe so. he made it. Alex, you better share some of that rich people money with me <laughs> <laughs> for designing movie posters. Um, no, I just thought that that's was cool. really cool. That's really cool. Good nod. Yeah, I really like that. Um, and then, okay, so a couple other news items uh, before we move on. Uh, Nintendo Switch Online added some new games in the last uh, couple of weeks. On the, I believe it was the 10th, they added F-Zero X for the Nintendo 64 Nintendo Switch Online. Looking forward to playing that. Yeah, I'm, I am too. I, that is probably the one I played the least out of all of them. 
because I never owned it growing up, but it was a really good game. I mean, graphically and just speed-wise, it ran really well on the 64. Nice. Uh, F-Zero GX on GameCube is probably my favorite. That game's just phenomenal. But, yeah, this is a good game. And with the online support, too, so you can play online multiplayer, I think it's a really cool addition, and I'm glad they added it. And then as of, I think, today, um, on the Sega Genesis Online, they added three new games. Uh, Alien Soldier, which is basically like a side-scrolling um, shoot-em-up, kind of like Contra-esque, mm-hmm. uh, developed by Treasure, which is a really good really good company. What they do, they do well. Uh, Super Fantasy Zone, which I never played, but looked like a um, kind of like an R-type uh, ship shooter where you get upgrades and basically shoot at enemies coming at you on the screen. Very colorful, very fantasy-esque. Um, and the last one was called Light Crusader, which was also from Treasure, and it's like an action RPG. Um, never heard of it. If I had, I'd never seen gameplay of it. I watched a little trailer, and it looks kind of cool. Um, kind of basic, but I Treasure, I don't know if you've played anything by Treasure before, but they are a solid company. They're known mainly for um, Sin and Punishment on the 64 and the Wii, uh, Mischief Makers on the 64, uh, Gunstar Heroes on Sega Genesis, and Ikaruga. Those are the games they're probably best known for. And those games were all super solid mm. for what they are. Ikaruga was like a top-down um, ship shooting game where you're shooting at that stuff coming at you like we talked about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, probably one of the best. And like Mischief Makers was a platformer. Yada, yada. Good developer. Um, if there is a game you're looking to play on the Genesis Online, these are worth trying just strictly because Treasure made them. It's going to be quality. Whether or not it's for you, I don't know. But it will be quality. So were they involved in making sure it ported well? Do we I mean, know? I can't. It didn't say that. Nothing I read said. In, I haven't read a lot about if any of the outside developers had had any hand in what's what's ported to Nintendo Switch Online. I should look that up though. It's a. That's actually a really interesting question. I hadn't thought about that. I was just thinking because like the backlash a little bit on Ocarina of Time, which I heard now, they fixed. It seemed like they've fixed a lot of it, but it's just interesting that, that especially for I mean. Zelda being their property, they're going to do what they want with it. But some of these ones that were developed by other people, it would seem like those people would want to have a chance to be like, hey, can we approve this? Because it's still our name on it. You'd think. I mean, they're going to make money off of this, I would think. I doubt it's just they're just like, hey, Nintendo, use our game and we'll make nothing. <laughs> yeah, whatever so, the royalty rights are. Yeah, maybe they maybe they have some say. Maybe they do go in and work with the, the, the publishing or the porting aspects. I don't know. Hopefully they play well. I did notice with uh, Alien... What was it called? Alien Soldier. On, just in the trailer, there was a little bit of lag. I, I'm not sure if that was taken from like the Genesis or if it was on the Switch Online and it still just has that lag if they didn't brush anything up or not. But I don't know. It's always nice to see new games. And I, I know that no matter what, even if nothing interests you or me, there's still always somebody out there that liked that game and will be excited to play it again. Well, and I like seeing them support that. I mean, people are putting their monthly, yearly money into that. So you want to see them continue to grow that library. Exactly. And it's still cool. Like we've talked about with a bunch of other stuff, there's games that we may not have been able to even try to play because we never owned it, never had that console. So for that option to be there, sure, we're 20 years away from when it came out or whatever, but it's cool to at least go back and try it out. Yeah, and even if you own it, it's still a lot easier way to play it now. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you can't complain. It feels like the, the trickle... I wouldn't, I mean, I, it is a trickle because there's only a few here and there, but it feels like it's been steady. Mm-hmm. I want to say it feels like it's steadier than the SNES releases and, and NES releases were. 
Um, this feels like I'm, every couple weeks there's at least one other one new game being added. I feel like they did that on purpose, maybe a little bit, just because the buy-in was so much higher for this plus expansion. Yeah, that you're they, right. I mean, they had to give you something to start with, but they want people to stay excited about it for those that are on the month to month. Yeah. They want people to keep buying in. You know, a lot of us, the buy-in for a year, it doesn't much matter what they do, because <laughs> yeah. we're going to probably we're here play anyway. stuff that's already on there anyway. Exactly. But well, So far, so good. I hope that they keep, keep up at this rate. Um, but they've added a lot of my favorite games for both of those consoles. Now it's... If we can just get some controllers. I know. Yeah, I know. Those, why those N64 controllers never pop back up? It's mind-boggling. Check like daily. <laughs> That's good. Time. I've given up on checking. I forget to ever check now. I did check today, though. Uh, we'll get them eventually. Yeah. I did. I will say, side note, the guys have figured out how to use like wireless dongle things and plug in a thing to an old N64 controller to make them work with the Switch <laughs> so that they can <laughs> they, basically use an N64 controller to play them. They put all this work into making something because they can't buy a $50 controller through Nintendo. <laughs> exactly. It's sad. <laughs> um, okay, a couple last news points. Um, as of the last couple weeks, Nintendo finally announced, I think it was on March 10th, Mario Day, Nintendo finally announced when the opening date for Super Nintendo World is at Universal Studios. And it's 2023 because they didn't actually give it an actual date, but <laughs> they gave a year, um, which is super exciting. I have not been to Universal Studios in a long time, and that is the reason why I will go. That being said, I was I've been very excited for them to add it in Universal Studios Hollywood because yeah. that's closer and uh, much more affordable. Yep. In the, long, in the grand scheme of things. For, yep. But the other day, they opened an Attack on Titan ride in Japan at the Universal Studios where they have the <laughs> Mario World. And I was like, why Why am I not there? That's where I want to go to Nintendo wanna, World. Yeah. And I want to do that. I want to put on my ODM gear. And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I want to go to Japan anyway. I want to go to Japan anyway. So well, I don't know. I saw that and I was like, now they, that was a few days before they announced this. And I just found the announcement to be underwhelming because I was like, <laughs> oh, I want all of that. <laughs> So I I will probably go here well before I ever go to Japan and do all of it. But I am excited. I the little kid in me plus the that is basically just me um, is all about theme parks and I love Disneyland. As anybody who knows me knows. But uh, and Nintendo. You know what I love more than Disney? Nintendo. <laughs> so I uh, am all about a land based off of Nintendo franchises. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope that I, I'm able to go sometime not long after it opens. Then you can dress up as Waluigi. <laughs> I hate Waluigi. <laughs> Get out of here with that. I'm too fat for Waluigi. I will be Wario. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode, folks. <laughs> Caleb died today. <laughs> James can be Waluigi. <laughs> All right. And then lastly, uh, last week on March 8th, um, PlayStation had a PlayStation State of Play. Um, so I'll just briefly go through uh, some of the games that they announced or touched on. Um, first off, they talked about Exoprimal uh, coming out in 2023. Basically a futuristic like mech suit type game where you fight literally hordes and hordes of dinosaurs as they rain from the sky. <laughs> it was super wacky looking. <laughs> very weird. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Like it was, it was very Japanese in the sense like, 
it's this very serious like subject with the characters all look very serious. And the setup was And really the setup serious. is very serious, yeah. but then there's this just incredibly wacky premise that's happening. <laughs> One million dinosaurs. When I say dinosaurs were raining from the sky, they were literally raining <laughs> from literally. the sky. Like a waterfall. Um, that being said, if it's free to play, it looks like it's going to be multiplayer. Yeah. If it's free to play or on the cheap side, if I can find other people to at least try it with me, I'll probably give it a try. I love like co-op, like it looked, you mentioned it looked kind of like Age of Calamity, mm-hmm. kind of Muso looking. Um, I like that style of game. I like multiplayer games. I like dinosaurs. Like I'd give it a, I'd give it a go. If it's 60 bucks, unless something comes out, like more information comes out and it ends up being way cooler than it looked from just the trailer. I don't see myself paying that much, but there's some premise. There's some promise there. I, uh, did it say when it's coming out? Just 2023. Oh, so we got some time. But um, yeah, looked promising. Uh, it looked fun. I'll say that. Like, if it continues to be what it looked like in that trailer, it looks like it could be a really weird, fun time. Well, it looks like legitimately the players had different abilities that were very different. So you can yeah, play, you get a squad together and, and, and yeah, yeah, everybody can cover a different basis. You're not all just the same random dude with a pistol and Mashing a shield. The X button. Constantly. Yeah, it looked like there was some strategy to it. Um, and they touched on some new information for Ghostwire Tokyo, which is not for me. Uh, Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, um, which is like Dark Souls meets Final Fantasy. Um, or something about that game that no matter how much I love Final Fantasy, it's just not speaking to me. I can't place my finger on it, but I think it's out as of now. But they were just letting you know a demo was coming out, and it's out. Um, some more information on Forspoken, which looks really cool. Gundam Evolution. It's going to be a free-to-play FPS, uh, basically just a multiplayer um, versus game where you're playing as Gundams. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, Unreal from, Tournament with the Gundam skin. Yeah. From the trailer, it looked very just, yeah. The first Any any generic first-person shooter with the Gundam skin. Um, nothing nope. that, unless you really like Gundam, made it stand out. Not even perspective changes, like you're taller or bigger than just no. The person you looked right like now. normal people size. Like yeah. it was, it was odd. It was an odd trailer. Like it did not make me feel like I needed to play it. That being said, doesn't mean I won't. But didn't make me feel like I needed to. They're releasing a uh, collection of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games it's called the Kawabunga Collection. It's basically the Nintendo Game Boy, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, and arcade games. So everything from the early '90s. Um, I haven't played most of those. That being said, Turtles in Time was amazing. The arcade game was fun. Um, me and James and Jordan used to play it on Super Nintendo. They had a multi-tap, and we'd play that game all the time. It was so much fun. Did they say how many total games were in the pack? I should have wrote it down. I think they did, but I don't remember okay. what, what the number was. But it is a lot. It was a couple Game Boy ones, a couple NES ones, the Sega one, the Super Nintendo ones. Yeah, it was a big number. Um, Gigabash was kaiju monster fighting. Um, I don't know. Look, if you're into kaiju fighting, it probably would appeal to you. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All-Star Battling R, which is just a fighting game based off of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which is an anime that I've never watched. Um, a samurai game called Trek to Yomi, um, very stylized, uh, had a very cool look to it. Um, this is probably the thing I was most excited for. Uh, Returnal is getting an update called Returnal Ascension, which is adding uh, co-op and uh, a new mode. I don't remember what the new mode was. I was most excited for the co-op. Um, it's the exact kind of game that I like uh, multiplayer in, so I am excited to play that because it is going to be a free update. 
uh, a game called Dio Field Chronicle, which I did not write anything down about, and I no longer remember what it was even about. And then Valkyria Elysium, um, which is a sequel to Valkyria Chronicles from PS1, and then Valkyria... No, Valkyria Pro Profiles from PS1 Profile. And then there was a PS2 game that I can't remember what it was called. Um, I played Valkyria Profile back on PS1, and I just did not like it. I don't remember what it was, but it was not a game I... I love RPGs. I remember taking me forever to find it. I got a good deal on it because it was already expensive when I found it and just being totally unimpressed because I'd heard so much positive about it. I could change now. Maybe it just wasn't what I expected then, but I don't know. It's cool that they're making a new game in the series because it's been 17, 18 years wow. since the last one came out. So I'm sure there was a lot of happy fans for that. So Passion project. Yeah, for sure. So happy to see it. Overall, it was a state of play that I was kind of like meh about at the end of it. Not a lot that even as an RPG fan that really spoke to me here. Um, but per the norm, there's always something in here for somebody. So it's nice when we get these kinds of things. And they're always fun to watch. I love the anticipation of what they might announce. I like how they play stuff up and the mm -hmm. way they present it. Yeah, I love this style of event, like N Nintendo Direct and the state of play. They're just fun. I like it for me. It is an event. I get excited for it. I set aside time to make sure I have time to watch it, and like I watch it. I sit there and I'm into it while it's on. So it's fun that they do it instead of waiting for every you know once a year certain conference or something to do all this. Now they're breaking it up, and you're getting that more frequently. Kind of makes it kind of fun. Yeah, Nintendo was pretty genius when they started these. However long ago they started them, now. Yeah. But I still love that big E3, that big sure. event. But, yeah, yeah these, these make it, like, it's like we have little mini E3s as the year goes on. Well, and with people jumping out of E3, I think that's <laughs> yeah. that's kind of changing. The, You're not wrong. It's not going to be the same as it was. Who knows what E3 will even be like this year. Yeah. So, well, on that note, let's go ahead and move on to our main topic. Um, so, like I do with anybody who's going to come on the podcast, I asked you, What's something that speaks to Caleb? And um, you talked about the evolution in gaming or the revolution in gaming, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, so why, Caleb, was that a subject that spoke to you? Well, I've always thought it was a, it was pretty interesting looking back and um, thinking about the game history. So just really briefly, and I, I, you'll probably share too. So my gaming started NES was my first console. I've had every Nintendo console since except the Wii U um, game console. Some of the handhelds here and there. Maybe every other, every third, somewhere in there. Um, and then I had from a PS2 through a PS4. Haven't got a PS5 yet. And I do have an Xbox One um, just because I wanted a Blu-ray, a 4K Blu-ray player. Yeah. So, anyway, that's just kind of the background. So, I was thinking about through history and those... You and I have talked a bunch of times about those kind of aha moments and times where we got the, the new console or the new game and how it felt. And it's also interesting how over time that kind of changes. If you kind of think about it from yourself now, you know... Like, I'll use the example of NES to SNES. For me... It was definitely an upgrade, right? Like, wow, this is way better. Just better graphics. They can do more with it. But now looking at it... But I don't feel like I was even then like, wow, this is an absolute total game changer. It was just <laughs> better than the last one. Well, at the age we were at, you're a couple years older than me, but yeah. still, given we were young. 
that in that age, like we didn't know what better really was. So there is no denying when you compare an NES game, even the, I think Mario three or Kirby adventure probably considered the best looking NES game. You take that to super Mario world. Yep. Number one, there's no denying those games look, it's, it's way different. The 32 bit, right? The, The, over the 16. or 16 bit over, over the 8, eight bit yeah. was a huge jump but we're still pixelated we're yep. still very basics as far as graphics right. go granted the TVs were different you know the perspective has changed now over time but i think there's also you know really thinking for me we'll probably talk about this more too but like SNES to N64 for me was the first major and that's where our topic was evolution revolution so to me NES to SNES was evolution. It was an improvement. Things got better. But to me, N64 was a revolution. It was a complete, huge jump. It wasn't just a slight progression in general. And so, for me, that was probably the biggest... And not that we haven't had some other big uh, revolutions through time, and we'll talk about that. But that was kind of... I started thinking about that, and interesting how we go from console to console. And we'll talk a little bit about even the hardware side of it um, as we get into the later generations and what that means. But it was just kind of an interesting thing to think through the history of consoles, because I've had so many, and you know what really jumped out as new and exciting, and what was kind of like, yeah, this is really cool, and it's better, but... It's just more of the same in a way. I know what you I mean. Don't know. And, and sometimes what comes like as the consoles continue to to change and evolve, um, sometimes it's not even about the graphics or the capabilities of the console. It's about what they do with the console as far as games go. And sometimes the newer consoles are able to create these more uh, awe-inspiring games, these jaw droppers. You know, even if it's not graphically, it's just gameplay-wise. I mean, look back at World of Warcraft. That was not the most graphically intensive game in the world. But when it came out, it changed the world to some extent. Everybody played it. I mean, I say everybody. I never played it. But pretty much everybody played it. Everybody was playing it. And for years, the game never got big graphical improvements. But that was... I mean, sure, PCs are more powerful, have always been more powerful. But the point isn't that. It's that it was they took advantage of... A new concept. They took the MMO that was around and made it huge. Right. <laughs> they made it. They evolved the the community in a whole completely different way that everything uses that basis for now. Right. And that, I think that's the other thing too is it's it. You know, we we talk about things like we right. We we already mentioned it a little bit earlier. Their big thing was motion control. Well, in a way, that was a revolution. Your massive interaction with the game versus sitting and using your thumbs and fingers you're moving around doing action. The graphics really weren't much better. Mm-mm. I mean, in a lot of ways, and that was... Let me look at my little cheater sheet right here. So from... Uh, the graphics processing power was only like 30% better than the GameCube. Which is crazy. Right. But the interaction was completely different. So in a way, it was a revolution. <clears throat> now, like we talked about, ironically for me, I think you agree... It was cool in a nuanced way, but it was never for the yeah. always and ever. Like, it, it, I always think about bowling, right? <laughs> sure, let's play some bowling. That sounds like fun right now. Most of the other time, I don't want to be standing up, swinging my arms around to play a game. Yeah, that was the the sad part about the Wii is I don't think there's ever been, as far as gaming goes, 
um, a more gimmicky console, which it wasn't meant to be. They weren't trying to release a gimmick. They were trying to revolutionize. The, the Wii's codename was literally Revolution. Right. So they were trying to change the game. Um, and I've talked about this on other episodes, but there is a reason why the Wii sold over 100 million units. There is a reason why you could walk into your grandparents' house, your friend's grandparents' house, a nursing home, your friend's house who didn't play games, anybody's house, and they had a Wii. It's because they were so ingenious with packing in Wii Sports. Yep. All <laughs> that, they bought was the console and never bought another game. Oh, so many people bought Wii Sports. They bought Carnival games. They bought New Super Mario Brothers. They bought Mario Kart. Those are the five games. Was that five? Four games? Those are the those were the games that I I worked at GameStop the whole duration of the Wii. Somebody came in to buy Wii games. It was one of those four games. <laughs> it was uh, across the board. You had the 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 outliers that obviously played more, but you see an old person come in for Wii stuff. It was going to be one of those games, yeah. <laughs> and that was all about. It was a, it did what the Wii was for. <laughs> it got right. people off their butts, and it got them interacting together. I guess Mario not so much, but the rest of them. So before we go further, um, so like I did, what were your kind of base console history? Yeah, so I I had an NES first, but I was I was probably only like four when I got a Super Nintendo. I was pretty young, um, and then yeah, I basically I've had every Nintendo console, sixty four GameCube, Wii. I had the Wii U. Um, I was one of the few that proudly Seven. bought a Wii U, <laughs> and up to the Switch, PlayStation. Basically, all I've had all of them. I haven't not had a PlayStation, including the handhelds. Uh, Xbox, I have a Series S. I never had a 360. I had an original Xbox because I couldn't not play the old, nice old Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got it well after the console had already died. I think it was into the 360 era when I bought one for dirt cheap. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've played... Than most Nintendo handhelds too. Yeah, which of course that's not all. I never owned a Neo Geo. As far as Sega goes, I never really had any of them growing up. Yeah. I got a Dreamcast um, recently, mo- recently yeah. but I'd, I'd had access to them. I had friends that had a yep. Dreamcast or a Genesis. Yep. Never knew anybody with a Saturn, but um, I always wanted one. So you you just I was gonna go through this because we're early in the conversation too. Just a quick what the generations are because we'll talk about we we jump into these, but. If I mention some of the numbers, so um, they consider the first generation, like back in the early, most of the 70s, so that was like the Atari Pong and um, the Magnavox Odyssey. Yeah. Never touched those, never seen them. No, I've never had one. The second generation was, again, the late late 70s through, they technically caught qualify some of them into the early 90s i don't know why but that's like the atari 2600 yeah the, the, where it kind of where the crash picking. happened right the that was where it took off but then also fell before nintendo came exactly right and so then that led speaking up real quick if you haven't or anybody hasn't watched the netflix documentary i think it's called game over i want to say it's a i had no intention of mentioning this i forgot about it it's a video game documentary um it's narrated by charles martinet the voice of mario it's so good <laughs> it goes <laughs> they, through a bunch of this they history. talk about yeah like yeah. the the crash of atari the rise of nintendo sega and nintendo's um rivalry i i mean maybe i shouldn't recommend it because i don't remember if there's language or stuff but it was i it was i don't remember it being bad and it was really good <laughs> so it's it's a fun watch pro tip yeah so that led to 
like Chris was just mentioning, the third generation, and you may hear it called 8-bit, mm-hmm. and that was NES, uh, Sega Master, mm-hmm. and the Atari 78. You know, for years, I did not realize the Sega Master system was not the Sega Genesis. Like, I just thought that they were the same name. Same thing, yeah. I never, I, it wasn't until probably the last 10 years where I realized it was actually a different console. I just never saw one. Before, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen one either. Yeah, the first Sonic was on it, but it was... Re-released on the Genesis as the Sonic that any of us ever really played. So we just think of it as the yeah. the Genesis is the first. Yeah, and the, it's not. Th- it was enough because they visually upgraded it. Right. But so then then that led to the fourth generation, which was 16-bit, and that was Sega Genesis, SNES, Super Nintendo, um, Turbo Graphics, Turbo Graphics Two, which that's another one never played. Never. You know, touched. I have one. Do you really? Yeah, I found one at a Goodwill like 15 years ago. Hmm. I've never owned it. I've never had a single game for it. I have it still. I have the control. It had two controllers, and I'm just sitting on it. <laughs> one day I need to buy a game for it. It'll probably look great on our high-definition 60-inch <laughs> TVs. Yeah, I bet. I need to be one of those people that gets a... Um, Old CRT. Yeah, just to play some of the classic games. I still kick myself. I had a 27-inch flat Sony tube. Oh, Should have kept that if TV. If only you knew. I know. <laughs> I know. When you live in a small condo for a long time, you get rid of stuff that you yeah. wish you hadn't. You know I, that story. I understand. So then that led to the fifth generation, which is 32-bit. That was Sega Saturn, first PlayStation, Nintendo 64. Then we went to the sixth generation. I'm going to ask a question. Yeah. Wasn't the 64 64-bit? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> so that's what... So it was not... So it must have been 32-64. So that generation covered the two? It must have. I'm this because is, the, and I wasn't trying to just correct you because this is honestly a question. Because I we talked about this before we ever started recording this. Is but, I am not a tech or a specs guy. I'm just a game guy. <laughs> but see, this is I told you I didn't do as much research as I wanted, and I'm wondering if it's a year thing because the 64 came out before the PlayStation, right? Play PS2. It came out way before the PS2. It came out about a year after the, the PS2 PS1. is 64 bit, I believe, and so I think it's because the 60 N64 came out first. It was like earlier. Uh, I'm not. That doesn't make sense. So PS2 looks way better than the 64. Because I think it's only 64 bit, isn't it? I don't know. I don't We're going to make stuff up now. If there's any uh, inaccurate <laughs> facts here, just <laughs> just roll with it. We're, we're not professionals. <laughs> yeah, because processing power is significantly better. For the PS2? Yeah, way, yeah. way, way. We'll get into that. Yeah. I have numbers. Yeah. That are well, more accurate than what I'm saying currently. So the 64 was, that generation was somewhere between 32 and 64 bits. There you go. <laughs> we know the 64 is 64 bits. Yeah. Anyway, sixth generation Dreamcast. Okay. PS2. Mm-hmm. GameCube. Love it. Xbox. What a, we're going to get into this, but man, if there was any generation that defined my like youth, it was that generation. As far as like teenage years, you're so young. I'm like two years younger than you. <laughs> but you got married at like 12s. So. Uh, just about, just about. Uh, so that leads to seventh generation, which is Xbox 360, PS3, and Wii. And then the eighth generation, which I also find interesting, and I tried to double check this, but they put the Wii U and the Switch in the same generation. It doesn't make any sense. But processing power wise, it's maybe true. I don't know. I, I find that interesting. That I, don't, I don't think that's accurate because the... I checked it multiple places that somehow clarify this and they all said they're the same generation. I can't. I'm not more in the know than everybody else, so... because And here's why, though. Because the Switch is not in the same generation PS5 
Series S X. But the I guess I, it's almost like an interim. And or is the Wii U a, with the Wii? The Wii U was with the Wii U was more was definitely leaps and bounds above the Wii. It was more on par with the PS3 360, but the Wii U was supposed to be. Yeah, that was the generation. No, the the Wii U. Sorry, I, let me change that. It was more on par with the PS4 36 Xbox One, but not nearly as close. It was like in between the two generations, but it was that was seventh gen, right? It was eighth, eighth gen. So it was part of the PS4 Xbox One. Gen. Correct. So the Switch, but just- they put the Switch in with it. And see, this is what we. What's is interesting? Nintendo, from a graphical standpoint, is always behind at a lower level than Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they're not advancing in other ways, right? They did the motion controls. They did virtual reality with the Virtual Boy. Yeah, I mean, look at the 64. They added four players in a a console before anybody else. Anybody else, I mean, there were, like, multi-taps, but that wasn't... Nobody had those. Yeah. And the analog stick, they were the first company to make the analog stick. Uh, I mean, I don't know that it was... PlayStation didn't have it until a couple years after. Rumble Pack? I mean, built-in Rumble? What's funny is these are things that, to us, were revolutionary at one time. But to kids nowadays, like... Zach turns Rumble off in everything he plays. As I, I still every game I'm like, oh, there's Rumble, yay! <laughs> I still get excited for so, that. Like, even though every game has it now, almost all. Yeah, the when Star Fox came out, and like I remember talking to my parents and being like, when I play Star Wars, I can pop in this Rumble pack and I'll feel it when I get shot. Like I remember being so excited for this, and now it's just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah, it's a. Uh... So that's what's interesting is that in ways, from a graphical standpoint, it's like Nintendo's always lagging, but they're they're advancing and revolutionizing in different ways. 100%. And so that's what I still find that one fascinating, that two of their consoles kind of ended up in the same generation, both graphically that. behind the competitors in the same generation. Yeah. And, and they actually don't have one per everything I found in competition for Gen 9. So we were at Gen 8, which is Wii U, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. And then Gen 9 is considered the new Xbox Series X and S and um, PS5. Yeah. Well, so that was just... I just wanted to kind of go over that as we go through talking did, through some of this stuff. Um, did it put the Oculus in there anywhere? I'm just curious. It did not. If it I considers found. it like a Gen at all. What do they consider virtual VR? gaming right now? Yeah, I don't know. Huh, interesting. I was just curious. Because what's interesting, PS4's got VR, so mm-hmm. would those first Oculuses and those fall in that similar time frame, Gen 8? Maybe. I don't know. I guess that's a question for somebody else. <laughs> well, and like you said, if the 64 is considered 5th Gen, but it was really more competitor to the other... It, it, Nintendo, I think, because in some ways they lead the pack and they don't... It's like PlayStation and Xbox are always like right after each other or release at the same time or very close. Nintendo doesn't really care when and what they do, really. No. They're like on their own thing, right? So they always seem to be mid-cycle. So where do you put them in a generation? Are they with the one ahead of it where they really don't compete graphically? Or are they one behind it? They're really their own. They are. It's, it goes hand in hand with all these acquisitions that have been happening sony and microsoft are buying studios nintendo was asked like you guys have any studios you're gonna buy and they're like nope not right now they i mean other than like these other these tiny studios they've been working with right they don't care they're doing their own thing they don't need what sony and microsoft feel they need yeah so to circle back around like like i said that what led to this whole kind of conversation was really my thinking back to the nintendo 64 and playing Zelda, 
Donkey Kong Country 64, Mario 64, and really, for us, growing up on that two-dimensional, like you said, pixelated, and, and you go back and look at 64 graphics and they're pixelated too, but... You know, going from that two-dimensional <laughs> to a full 3D, quote-unquote, open world yeah, was just an amazing shift. It's an impossible thing. So there's going to be two groups of people that will listen to this. The people that understand exactly what we're saying and the people that don't because <laughs> they're if too started young. On a if you started PS4. on yeah, Game, GameCube or more recent, which a lot of people did now, um, they don't they don't get it. They didn't live this. But I do. I, I challenge anybody who uh, grew up on uh, more modern consoles to go back and play a Super Nintendo game. Don't think. Don't think about any gameplay or anything. Just look at the graphics and try to imagine going from that to Mario sixty four. And yes, Mario sixty four looks terrible now in comparison to what we have. But when you go from I mean, there were maybe some games that had, like, three-dimensional aspects to them. That faux three-dimensional, yeah. which is a 2D drawn. Exactly. But yeah. it was so, like, it wasn't, it didn't feel immersive. Mario 64 was mind-blowing to a 10-year-old kid. <laughs> that Stand in one position and spin a camera 360 and oh, see a world around I, you. I always say, like, I, I do not have kids. I always say if I ever had kids, it will make, it makes me sad to think I could not get them to experience that level of like elation I felt as a kid. But you can. I don't how? How with the phones and tablets nope, no and no like phones you TV, restrict you restrict them. They never you control you do not and you can't look at what I'm doing in the other room. <laughs> nope. You cannot talk you don't have friends. <laughs> no friends. <laughs> hey, it wor- it'll work, trust yeah. me. Caleb cannot have kids because nope. he will abuse them. <laughs> <laughs> but it would work. Yeah, but they, that's real you're they, right. That's the only way that. you could do it. Yeah, and it's uh it's just sad. It is because not, that's not me hating on there's no denying what we get what we've been getting for generations now is graphically leaps Amazing. and bounds a better right. even gameplay wise we're getting stuff that's tends to be more solid you know not to and that's not dogging on mario 64 or ocarina of time those games are still 10 out of 10 in most cases but the gaming has evolved successfully <laughs> yeah. but that transition from Super Nintendo to 64 as as a little kid, but I'm sure there was a lot of adults who at, I never really have talked to any because I don't know I didn't know many adults that gamed. Right. But you know I'm sure there were adults in our at at, at that time period who felt that same like mind blowingly awesome feeling. Maybe of, the people that are 10 years older than us that played all the consoles. Yeah. And kept up with it, but I just like to see if it was just kids that felt that way or if it was also the adults. <laughs> like well, what I'd, I'd like to talk to them. Yeah, but I. What I, I think is important, though, is compare that to, say, a PlayStation 4 to PS5 jump. Yeah. What What is that? How does that feel? Okay, I don't have a PS5. I've seen yours a few times. Um, and you just were talking about seeing it, the same game on both. Can you tell differences? Sure. A little bit. Is it If you aren't looking at them at the same time or within a short period of time from each other, can you tell differences? No. If you just no. if I just flashed a picture and what is that, you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. And to me, that it's not that there's not advancement because they're advancing in different ways. The, the textures themselves are getting more complicated or things like water or reflected light. Those mm-hmm. really complicated things to render in real time. Oh, yeah. They're getting better, which... That, but that's a nuance thing, right? That's not a, I went from 2D to 3D. That's I'm in a beautiful 3D world that's absolutely gorgeous with billions of colors <laughs> on a 60-inch screen. much better. Yeah. 
but it takes twice the, the the processing power or more than that, right? Yeah, but they do. There are the the perks like uh, put a PS4 and a PS5 next to each other and load the same game. The PS5 is done in like two seconds. Like that. That's where like I noticed the differences in in modern consoles is like the load times are insanely quick. Right. The install times are fast. Um, yeah, like you said, textures, some of that stuff. But for me, the biggest thing with the PS5 is the user dual sense. Experience. Oh, and, and the controller. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, yeah, the user experience too. But that controller, despite how there are the haters out there, I, you know, they can have their opinions even if they're wrong. But this controller, it. It's better it, than any it, Xbox controller <laughs> made. We're not picking on anybody specific here. And if you feel like you're being picked on and your name is James, it's true. Um, but it is just. I, I love the force feedback. Like, not every game uses it well, but it's just a cool feeling. The HD rumble, which obviously the Pro con- or the Wii remotes, my God, the Joy-Cons <laughs> have it too. But um, there's something about the way it does it in the, the DualSense. Um, Astro's Playroom was a game that came on the console, and it just, like, that game, you feel everything in that. Or like, I think they're stronger. That's why they can get a more aggressive left to right. Very, yeah, and like you, there's a spot where it's raining, and you can feel each raindrop as it hits hits your character. Yeah. Or like in Spider Man, when you use the controller, you use the the R two or L two to use your spider webs. You can you can feel the thwip in the push when you push it. Like those little touches are that level. It's that level of immersion that you know we've wanted since we're kids. Of course, we're still not. There, it's like we were talking about with VR last week with Alex, or last episode with Alex. Like, that immersion is something we've wanted since we were children, and we're getting closer. Every right. little step gets us a little closer. But then you put, you, and the thing is, that's why you start pairing them, right? You sit with a VR headset on where you can look around, and you have a controller that gives you that kind of feedback. You know, it's like they've had for computers for years. Like, they made vests where mm-hmm. if you're playing a shooting game, it'll like actually like use a, um, I don't know what it uses in the vest, but like an air pocket or something to feel like you got hit. Yeah. So they're, they're trying to make that 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 um, immersion more. What's it called? Uh, alternative reality. There's a there's a term for it. They called it. Trying to get as closer to Ready Player One. Just about. <laughs> Why go outside? Stay yeah, inside. Much better. <laughs> but it's uh, I like seeing them. I like seeing that continuing to happen. Like we kind of mentioned, the motion control was kind of headed that way. I think there's a place for motion control. But like what PlayStation with the the Dual Sense, it doesn't force you to game in a drastically different way, but it enhances what you do. But to me, that's still PS4 to PS5 in my eyes is still evolution. It's still a small. It's not a earth shattering dramatic change. And I think it also shows a little bit that you can get the same game on both. It was kind of like we is it we. GameCube and Wii had some of that. Wii Wii U had some of that. When you have those cross-generational games, that kind of tells you that something wasn't so dramatically different that they really had to say, well, I can't make my... You know, you couldn't have made Ocarina of Time on SNES. Impossible. Yeah. You had to wait for the tech to catch up to build that world. Yeah. And it's the same thing now. Some of the worlds, you know, you know, maybe watch one of those YouTube videos that shows like the world maps of a game in like laid out in real space and how big they are. Some of those maps are absolutely huge. <laughs> yeah. Breath of the Wild, it's ginormous. Huge. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> and it, it, it pales in comparison to a lot of other games. Yeah. I know Elden Ring has a big one, Skyrim, like They're some huge. of these games are just huge. So you, you've got to have the processing power, you gotta have the data storage, you, you know, you have to get the technology to advance, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting, but 
it it is a sad thing that I don't know we're going to have another big jump like that anytime soon. I think, like you guys talked about, VR is really hopeful. Now, the hard thing with VR is you're back to having to interact differently. I'm okay with that because I'm choosing to want to do that in that moment. You know, Granted, there are games like, to me, Beat Saber is a good example. You have to swing your hands, but you don't have to turn around and look all around the room. You can still kind of sit or stand in one place. Yeah. There's other but games. It's a lot of exercise. It is. Yeah, you sweat doing that. <laughs> um, but then there's other games where you, like Iron Man, I think you guys talked about, you actually kind of need to move around. I mean, they have ways you can kind of turn, but you're turning around and moving, and it's a very active game. Yeah. It's definitely different, but in a way, I'm okay with that because it's that's a choice you're making to play that game right now. That's not, and that's what I like about it being on a PS4. You still have the PS4 console. You can play other games on the PS4, but if you want to choose to play a VR game, you have that ability. Yeah. I really like that 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 ability on a console like that, but I just don't know that anything that dramatic is going to happen in the next few years. It's hard to imagine. I mean, they, they surprise us from time to time, but um, it would be nice. That that feeling, that, that, that revolutionary feeling of this big change is just, there's something about it. Like, I don't know. I feel, like you said, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been even now. Even if they still do it, they're never as drastic as the Super Nintendo sixty four was. So, do you think there's any in that history of everything we talked about? Do you have any other besides the motion control we mentioned with the Wii or a VR thing? Has there been any other for you jump in your eyes or something that stuck out yeah. as a generational dramatic? Um, yeah, I, I could be wrong about some of this as, as far as what I feel might be and what it actually is, but I think this falls into not necessarily generational, but technology, mm-hmm. um, in that fifth gen, 64, uh, PlayStation one gen. Sure. Nintendo made a choice to stay with cartridges. Sony very clearly chose to go the disc route. Yep. And so did Sega and everybody else. <laughs> but um, because of that, the 64, whereas the games were amazing, were limited in the scope that they could provide. And PlayStation could provide very massive games. And where I'm going with this is Final Fantasy VII yep. was, was the next... After Super Mario 64, playing that on 64... Final Fantasy VII was that next big step. And I only was able... I mean, we were only able to get that because PlayStation went the disc route. Yep. They were able to create a three-disc game with a huge story beyond anything like that we'd seen so far. Yeah, the other Final Fantasies had deep gameplay and lots of story, but all the Super Nintendo and all those older RPGs, I think, were limited to like 20, 30-hour gameplay just because of how much they could... I mean, sure, you could get more out of it, but like the stories, if you rush through them, are about that long. Right. Final Fantasy VII is a lot longer if you're you know, looking around the actual world because it was huge. Right. I've always, I've probably said this on here before, but one of, just like Mario sixty four had that moment of having that world and that feeling like you're almost there in a sense, and the three sixty camera and just that that openness. Final Fantasy VII, the moment you walk out of Midgar and the map opens up and you have this huge expansive open world. I, I never played anything like that before. I, I know that Chrono Trigger, I hadn't played Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VI at the time. I know they have maps, but they feel so small in comparison. It was that 3D that that just, I don't know, the music, the 
the monsters that you started to see once you were out there. Like everything felt so big. And that was a transition we truly only got because of or an evolution that we truly only got because of transition from cartridge to disc. So that's a revolution, really, then. A revolution. It, I don't know. I'm going to say it wrong. It's just like <laughs> I still say remake and remasters wrong all the time. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? It's something you just said that makes me wonder. Nintendo's never, if they ever hit that limit, they never did a multi-cartridge game. No, they didn't. And I'm wondering if it's just the way the console's built. It doesn't hold enough in memory to know where you are moving forward. You want, I mean, you could store something on the memory card, but I don't know. So you want a little random bit of history? Yes. Um, this is, And I might not have all of it here, but Resident Evil 2 on the PlayStation 1 is a two-disc game. Mm-hmm. Um, very big, like graphically sound. It had voice acting, fully orchestrated soundtrack. Well, orchestrated. It doesn't have a lot of music, I don't think. But that game was ported to the 64. It is considered probably the most amazing port like as far as what they were able to do with it because nobody thought it would be possible. But they took the game and they squeezed it onto a 64 cartridge. But this is to show you like what they were able to do with a disc compared to what they were able to do with a cartridge. They Yes, they took what was on two discs and shoved it onto a cartridge. But there was a lot that they lost with that. Like I think I can imagine. I think the soundtrack was completely nixed and they just added some sound effects and stuff to kind of like help like flesh that out i think there was some like actual like content that was cut from the game um so yeah like i guess you were saying like there's never a multi-cartridge game because there wasn't but (laughs) it just that just kind of shows the difference between what the disc was able to do compared to what the cartridge was able to do yes that game was on both consoles but uh, it wasn't meant to be on the 64. What they did was amazing from everything I've heard. From what I've read, it was an impressive port that they even managed to pull it off the way they did. But it was not as good as the PlayStation version <laughs> because right. it, it was cut down. It was, They had to cut corners to get it to work. Right. But yeah, they never did multi-cartridge games. I don't think that, I think it would have been too expensive because cartridges were still too expensive to produce compared to discs. Right. Sorry, I was just trying to look up while you were talking about that what the uh, what the PS because that was PS one. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what those discs actually stored back then, and I can't find it because an N64 cartridge is only 64 megabytes. So small <laughs> in our it's, in our world is like tiny. Yeah, that's that's that doesn't even store a song anymore. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that's even real, and that's why I'm like, is that really real? Because Maybe that's not real. I don't know. I've yeah, I don't know. But that that if that is real, that's just crazy. Those games felt like they would be way bigger than that. Because if a PS One was a CD, it wasn't a DVD yet. It was probably six hundred and fifty, so it could have been ten times the storage. I, I've, that sounds like a number that I've heard before, actually. Yeah, because I think they were they it wasn't a DVD player, it was CD, so it must have been six hundred and fifty meg. Yeah. So ten times the storage on a single disc, and that game had two discs, so that was four times. The data. It's insane. But granted, the other thing that's interesting, and I'm not going to talk a bunch about it, but it's like I'm going to, I want to talk a little bit about graphics power of these units. Um, but how the console is coded, how the software is coded, just purely like talking this, how much data it takes to run the game may not correlate. And you may be able to get a very similar graphics experience from more or less data based on how it's processed, how it's coded, things like that, that can make a big difference. And so that's why, like, when you talk about actual graphics horsepower, say, its capability, it doesn't always correlate to better or worse graphics because it's how it's used. 
And that's what, and that's kind of why when you look at a generation of, of a single console and look from the very first game that was released to something toward the end that was a big main AAA game, it usually looks way better. And you're like, it's the same console. Your hardware mm-hmm. didn't change. You didn't upgrade the console. It's the same <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But they're able to improve things. Their, their base set of coding that they use, um, they improve over time. And so then you end up with these even better looking, better games on the same console. Yeah. I actually was going to mention too, like, I think for me, the only other true, like, revolution type thing that happened for me was playing Uncharted for the first time. Um, and just that was like a movie. And sure, we'd seen kind of some cool cinematic experiences, but there, I mean, that was a very, that was like playing a movie with awesome gameplay, awesome voice acting and motion capture and everything. And um, so that that was for me like one of those moments where like I my mind was blown. It was so amazing to me. But good banter and dialogue. It was yeah. It was exactly production. Exactly. But on the note that you were saying and how a console can graphically improve in one life cycle, Uncharted One came out in two thousand seven. Uncharted Three came out in two thousand eleven. Um, maybe twelve somewhere in that and range. PS3. They were, you know, from close to the beginning to close to the end. Yep. And they both look good, but there is no denying that Uncharted 3 looks a lot better yep. than Uncharted 1. Um, and that's exactly, just just was a point that I had. Not a point, it was just like an observation I was making on that point that you made. Is that, yeah, from the beginning of a life cycle to the end of the life cycle, you can see a very different, a big difference in graphics and capabilities in a game. And I think that's also what what partially blurs the lines of this evolution revolution with modern stuff in you know say ps1 or ps2 to now because there's shifts in programming methods and things across a generation you're not you're no longer really comparing the beginning of that console to the beginning of the next console you're be, you're comparing the end of that console to the beginning of the next so it's much better hardware but that hardware has only been on the street for a few years for those first games to get coded. Yeah. And so they haven't figured out, they haven't advanced those, you know, uh, data sets and, and preset um, code blocks and stuff. So that's why it gets better over time. Well, when you go to that new console, sure, the developer that made the console has a base set of stuff that people can use, but people improve it over time. And so you're not, you know, as, as a, the consumer, you're going from the end of one console to the beginning of the next, and that's that jump is no longer as big because we're advancing so much. And I don't think that happened as much. And maybe that's why the 64 felt like such a big jump. I don't think that happened near as much with the older systems, the cartridge-based systems. Games felt more consistent across a generation there. Yeah, I, don't, I think you're right. What, do you think it has something to do, and this was an uneducated question, but do you think it has something to do with the consoles, more current consoles being able to upgrade, update and push out the performance updates and stuff? I think that's a big part of it because they're connected. You can push firmware updates that completely, you know, the, the base coding that talks to the hardware is now different because they found a way to streamline it or improve it. So I was reading, I forget which console it was now where they actually provided more Ram 
to developers building games because they were able to slim up the OS. They had been reserving X amount of megs of RAM in reserve just in case. And they, after years, they're like, well, we really didn't never need this much. We only need this much. So they cut it down, the hmm. what it held in reserve, which now then opened up a little bit more. It wasn't like 10 times. It was just a little more chunk. But as developers are pushing the limits of these consoles... Little more is little more, right? Yeah. That gave them a little bit more. It, that's what helped maybe now you don't have a load time, whereas before you couldn't get enough data load. And you, things like that could be improved. I thought that was interesting, and that is purely what you just said. Being connected now allows for that to constantly change and grow. So even though the base hardware itself is not changing, how it's being used changes. And so we're getting better and better games. And that's the thing is it's not to say, like you said earlier, it's not like we're getting worse content or we're not growing as much. I mean, games are beautiful now. It's it's you're almost to the point of photorealistic, almost. Some games almost are, but so we're getting really good content, but it's just now you've taken away that aha moment of a complete shift, which I'm just really curious to see if it ever happens again cuz like you said, if you never got to experience that, you may not be able to. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad to think that that might be the reality, that we may never, no kid growing up now will ever be able to experience that moment. Right. But, I mean, it's hopeful. You never know. I mean, frankly, Nintendo, I mean, sure, not graphically, but they surprised us with the Switch. I mean, I don't think any of us knew how much we actually wanted a portable home console. (laughs) I mean, is it, it's not graphically, it's not the PS4. Five, it's barely the PS4. It's not that. even close. It's not even close to the PS4. So no. graphically, it's not it's not up to par. But you want numbers for that? <laughs> yeah, go shoot some numbers out at us. Okay, so we're gonna talk about. Uh, you may have heard flops, which are uh, floating point Things operations. Things that don't succeed. Yes, correct. <laughs> you want lots of them, okay? <laughs> yeah. So flops are floating point operations. It's basically just a measure of how many floating point calculations the the hardware can do. So in a general sense, the more flops it can do, the faster it is, the more data it can process. So you can do more advanced graphics. It can do more, right? So these numbers that I'll use are all in gigaflops. So that's millions of flops, right? (laughs) It's a lot of flops. (laughs) No, sorry. Let's keep talking about flops. This is funny. <laughs> Not millions, billions. That's a billion flops you got there. Because it's a... That is a floppy system. Kilo, mega, giga, kilo. Yeah, I think it's billions. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I'm whatever. not a numbers guy. You're the engineer. Kilo, thousands, <laughs> mega... Yeah, anyway, I'm tired. It's been a long day. So what's interesting, you were just talking the Switch. So the Switch, from what I can find, docked, running... At full, um, so they have tricks where they can, if they don't need as big a data bit, they can run a smaller piece through, which means they can run more through at a time, which makes it appear that it's actually faster than it is. But at full size of data thing, it's a whole other subject. <laughs> it's 500 gigaflops. The what were we just talking about? The PS4. Mm-hmm. The base PS4 was eighteen hundred and forty-three. <laughs> okay. That's the a, PS4 Pro is forty-two hundred. There's a big difference in flops. So almost ten times. Yeah. So that's in a way that's where you kind of can see. Well, and that's funny because those were actually in the same generation, whereas the PS3 was two thirty. <laughs> so the Switch only beats a PS3. It's only it's double. Yeah. 
But then you're talking the PS4 is another almost is over yeah. three times that. But what's what is impressive about the Switch though, at least when Nintendo makes games usually, is that you don't even notice that the graphics aren't that good because of the way that they articulate their graphics and like Mario Odyssey. It, sure, it's cartoony, but it looks great. You play it in handheld or on the TV, it looks great. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Smaller screen helps. Yeah, because they sure. they knock the resolution way down. So that's the other advantage is when you go to a smaller resolution, you have a lot less data to process per frame. So that can really help speed it up. Yeah, it's just crazy though. I think that numbers say a lot, <clears throat> and the fact that the Switch has sold over a hundred million units now says a lot as to what people want with their gaming. Sometimes, I mean, just like they, this is like you're saying, not graphically the best system out. It's not graphically better than the last generation consoles that were out. But you can take it with you when you go on the train, when you go on a plane, when you're in the rain. I had to go with it, just a bunch of rhymes. But um, it, you can take it with you wherever you want. You can Sam, s- I am. Say, that's me. <laughs> uh, and you mean just, just something about the fact that as we get older sometimes or your life starts changing, you don't have time as much time to sit at home maybe. Um, and play games, but the Switch opened up that door to so many people where in their busy lives they could find time to play something, and that just, I mean, Nintendo did it. <laughs> they once again proved they don't need to have the best graphics. They have quality games and the right idea. <laughs> yep. But anyway, that it's was... turned into a Nintendo fanboy podcast, which is not <laughs> really the intention of this. No, it wasn't at all. I mean, but we've, to be fair, we've just only not talked about Xbox, and that's not even Xbox hate. We're just no it is <laughs> we're just leaning we both have xboxes so That's we're true. just leaning towards what we know more of and i do what, what they're really good at watch movies on them hey I'm you play kidding. what's that game forza you play forza a uh, very tiny bit i need to but. i just read that they released um this game on game pass today and it was called i don't remember but <laughs> it was a little mouse and he looks like link and it's like a zelda clone i was like that looks fun i'm gonna play that give me hmm. something to do on my xbox yeah I have no issues. I think the Xbox is a really cool console. Game Pass is awesome, but I haven't touched mine since December, so I need... Well, you do have a huge list of things you want to play, so... Yeah, and most of them aren't on Xbox, so... Right. So so just a few more numbers that I found kind of interesting just to run through um, some of the consoles. So from Xbox to Xbox 360, 12 times in that processing power. From 360 to 1, 5.5 times faster. Then from 1 to 1S was barely faster. Not surprising. That was the yeah. same generation, right? It was yeah, just a minor it... upgrade. <clears throat> and then when we went to the 1X, let's see here. It was uh, almost four times a 1S. Jeez. I knew that it was a huge upgrade, but I didn't realize it was that But much. it was the same generation. And this yeah. is very much like I mentioned about the PS4. A PS4 was... 1840 the ps4 pro was 4200 yeah you talk about blurring the lines between generational that's what those two that the the one x and the pro really kind of did that so now when you get it and they're still releasing games on both Mm -hmm. that's why you can have a game on a ps4 and a ps5 look so close to the same granted you still have a difference so from a one x to a series x is double Okay, that's still that's big. And from a four pro to a five is two point two times. Dang. So they're both still significantly faster <coughs> with the newer consoles. Again, that's why when you said you saw a game and it's nuanced, but there's different stuff. There's still a bunch more processing power there, and you're running higher resolution. Yeah. Generally, 
and that takes a ton. So, um, and then from the Nintendo side, from the GameCube to the Wii was only 1.28 times. Hmm. So barely faster. Yeah. Then the Wii didn't even look that much better than the GameCube, so that makes sense. Makes sense. It was, but what's interesting, they went from a smaller proprietary smaller disc to the full-size DVD mm-hmm. disc, so they had the, the data capability, but I don't feel like they really used... Did they have any games on the Wii that really were huge open world that would have utilized a bunch more data? Xenoblade. The first Xenoblade True. Chronicles. That would have been probably one of the biggest games. Because they probably Switch couldn't have made that for GameCube without multi-disc then. No, I don't think they could have. The GameCube had a lot of multi-disc games, so that makes sense. Right. A lot. They had to because those little those see and that was the funny thing. It's like they they almost took that step away from cartridge, but they're like, well, not totally. Yeah. We'll, we'll kind of go there with we our gotta, mini disc. We got to be unique. We need mini discs and a handle on our square. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lunchbox. Let's go. <laughs> hey, that was pretty handy when you're taking it to friends' house. That's true. Actually, I never really took mine anywhere, but I do love my GameCube. I will keep that. Mm-hmm. I have a silver one. I had a black one, and I have a black one now, but it's not the same one I had then. Sad. Yeah. Uh, Wii to Wii U. This is what fascinates me. Almost 15 times. 15? It went from 12 gigaflops to 176. And where is that in comparison to the PS3 and 360? Uh, PS3, so Wii U was 176. PS3 was 230. So it was still less than the PS3. And 360 was 240. So okay. PS3 to 360 were very close. Wii U was still below it. Dang. And that was a different generation. Wii U was technically the next generation. Yeah, it was. The Wii U did... I feel like the Wii U looked really good. I felt like a lot of the games looked really good on it. Like even um, like Need for Speed, was it Most Wanted? I felt like it looked pretty dang good on the console. Like I don't, It didn't look as good as the PS4 version, but it was polished. Yeah. And then obviously Nintendo's games all looked really good, but... So I think the and that was we've mentioned it a couple of times. I think the other challenge is resolution, because if you go back and put some of these games on a lower resolution screen, you may feel that they look better than they do now, because your TV, you know, if it's taking a 720p image and it's upscaling it to 4K, it's having to fake that together. I mean, it's yeah. got really good technology to do it, but it's not the same as a game fully rendering. And that's why, like, the PS4 Pro, I think the PS5 gives you that option on some games, right? You can either render it at, like, 30 frames a second at 4K, or you can render it at 60 frames or 120 frames a second at Yeah, performance HD. versus, uh, what is it, visual? Right. A lot of PS5 games have that now. Yeah, so PS4 Pro is very, that's all the <clears throat> PS4 Pro enhances the exact same thing generally. Yeah. They give you that choice. So if you're in a slower, everything I've read is mostly, it's like, especially really interactive first-person shooters and stuff where it's really high-changing action, you really generally want the performance because that split second makes a difference. Most other games, you want the visual. Yeah. It just looks so much better for it to render. You're not going to get that the frame rate, but you get that better graphic ability out of it. Yeah. Um, that's. I mean, I guess maybe the frame rate's more for a multiplayer game where you that little bit of difference could make it actually make a difference. Right. But I like the visual. Usually, yeah. <laughs> I just like to look at the pretty, so pretty then, picture. So then, to finish out the Nintendo from the Wii U to a Nintendo Switch, approximately undocked was a little over double, and then a Switch docked is almost triple. Yeah. So it's a 
593 versus 176. So better than the PS3 and the 360, Correct. not better than the PS4 or the or the one Xbox One. Right, and th- and that's the other funny thing. Again, we talk about P- Xbox and PS were always in competition, and their numbers are so close. All the you know 360, PS3 were within 10. Xbox One, PS4 were, uh, oh, they were a little further apart, actually. They were 400 apart, 500. Which one was higher? The PS4, 1,800, and the Xbox One was 1,300. Anyway, that was just kind of a, I always thought those were interesting that, uh, the jumps, I didn't, so we talked about the 64 feeling that jump, and to me, looking at these numbers, that would tell me that we should have seen a pretty huge jump from Xbox to 360, from PS2 to PS3, and from Wii to Wii U. Those were where we saw the biggest Those jumps. are where we, we saw the biggest the statistical jumps jump. in huge hardware changes. Yeah, I feel like the Wii to Wii U was obvious. Like Even though I lived the PS3, the PS2 to PS3, Xbox to 360 jump like I don't remember feeling like it was that big of a jump when I was it when I bought my PS3 I knew it looked better but I don't remember ever having that moment where I was like wow this is like until Uncharted I don't know like it, it all looked better but it never was like it wasn't like Super Nintendo to 64 it was like that game looked good on PS2 this game looked really good on PS3 you know what I mean so here's a philosophical is it because we were older Maybe. And we were younger when the 64 hit, and we our eyes were just blown away. I don't know. I don't feel like... I feel like now, like, I'm impressed by things. Maybe it could have been. It might have been a timing thing, like, I was just at that point in my life where it just wasn't as impressive. I don't know. I can't... I'm not going to get into your philo- philo- philosophy, <laughs> philosophical here, because I don't know the answer. <laughs> but, I mean, it definitely looked better. But I don't... I don't know. Like, I just didn't feel that moment, I guess, as much as all I was trying to say. Yeah. And then the only other thing I was gonna we were, we already kind of talked about and kind of plays into this whole hardware situation that can play to what can be better or not was like you talk you already started this conversation when Xbox and PlayStation went disc, Nintendo stayed cartridge. Then when Nintendo finally went to disc, they were they went to the mini discs, and then they finally caught they kind of caught up. Ironically, went back to cartridge again. Basically, they're SD cards, effectively. Um, <laughs> granted, true. they're way better. They're really fast storage. Actually, that can solid state storage like that can be faster than disk read now. Um, but another interesting thing was that um, PS two, sorry, PS three three sixty era, where they went the two different routes with Blu ray and HD DVD, <laughs> was kind of an interesting. Um, we're kind of off topic. It's not evolution, revolution. But that was an interesting time in history because we were another VHS Betamax battle. Just and they each took a side. Our time, but it's still, yeah. yeah. They each took a side, and Sony definitely was on the winning side on that one. Yeah. Well, PlayStation 3 had it built in. The 360 had it as an added Accessory, peripheral. Right. And that was just, I mean, the, the odds of that succeeding over a built-in um, type of, I don't know, disc whatever is hardware hardware is just it seems like the odds are just already stacked against it at that point you have uh, to pay more money to go get it yeah but but then ever since they then finally um xbox for the one went back to blu-ray and they've been blu-ray and then 4k blu-ray ever since yeah which i think that 
that again speaks to we're getting more processing power. You need the storage to back it up. And that's also what's interesting about most of these new games. Even though it's a disc, how often do you put a disc in and all of a sudden it's got to download an update that's 30 gigs or some massively huge There are so many updates these days. It seems like every time I turn on my PlayStation, I have an update for something. Yep. So I don't leave it in sleep mode because I'm always afraid it's going to die if I leave <laughs> if I keep it on sleep. But yeah, I've had of course the one time you leave it on sleep mode, the time the power goes out, and then yeah. it's like, oh, rebuilding database. We're just checking this hasn't broken. Yeah, stop it. Yeah, you're scaring me. Always, but I don't know. I feel like we kind of meandered through that. I, I find it an interesting subject because. I really enjoy a lot of the new stuff. I'm a ama- graphics to me are impressive. Um, I mean, I PC game too, and that's another interesting world because the hardware changes constantly. You know, the nice thing with a console is you buy into a console and you're there for five, ten years. Yeah, nowadays it seems like we're lasting longer. And especially with you know these other ones co like PlayStation co releasing, mm-hmm. they're still releasing their main titles on both. So is Xbox, I think. Are they okay? Yeah. Um, PC, they do it in a similar way, right? They they have the ability to lower the graphics, raise the graphics, turn the frame rate up, down. But the hardware is constantly changing. Yeah. And again, I don't think you're seeing massive, massive shifts. Things look better and you can run it faster. But I'm just curious what that next what will it be? Re- revolution going to be. Is it going to be some type of alternative reality combination of VR and a special controller that really makes you feel this you know i know full body suit exactly what or have you seen the ones where you stand in the thing and you can actually walk yeah i've seen those that's very ready player one (laughs) yeah that's crazy um yeah i don't know i mean we have to be on the cusp of nintendo releasing a new or announcing a new console we're on five years with the switch the switch was basically dated when it came out but it was successful because of its portability it definitely feels like that even though they're still selling well, it feels like that hype is starting to die down. So I do wonder like what they're going to do. Like, Will they revolutionize, or are they just going to stick with the Switch and make release a prototype model? something that... Double the hardware, triple the hardware. <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that, as long as it still played Switch games. like It seems like a smart move. They don't have to spend too much money into R&D, and they just... You know, upgrade their console with the more modern technology. But. And it, that's like what PlayStation did with the Pro, right? Or exactly. The, the series, the, sorry, the One X. They And then you can release updates. Again, Switch is connected. It downloads updates. You could then update your older games to now be better graphically, faster, whatever it is, yeah. on that newer console. But it, Yeah. If we're going to see something, though, if there's a chance Nintendo is our biggest bet, at least in the near future, because... I mean, the PS5 and the Series X are new. <laughs> they're right. only a year, a little over a year old yeah. right now. So, and they're not no, they're not releasing anything new right now. So it'll be a while till there's any true revolutions, unless Nintendo does something. So I don't. know. I'm excited for what the future holds. Still, I you know me. I just love playing games. <laughs> so, like one way or another, I'll always have a new console probably, and I'll always be playing new stuff until they don't make consoles anymore, and we're just doing it in our heads. But <laughs> with the chip implanted, yeah, then the world truly will own us. Yeah, it's conspiracy theories. Um, yeah. Anything else you wanted to talk about on the subject? I don't think so. That was it. Was kind of a meandering, not really a true point in the end of it. But it's just yeah, a, it was just a talking point. It's it was an fun. interesting subject of uh, what's happened in the past, and 
I wish there was a way to relive that in a way. And I think that's why nostalgia for people our age is so important because it it plays to that and why like the expansion is so cool on switch we still have a blast to go back and play super mario 64 ocarina of time because it carries all those feelings like man this was so cool and it's not that we don't like it now we're just only on the reminiscing but it just reminds us of how amazing it was to play that the first time and really experience that and you knew it was when you didn't mind sitting there watching your friend play it yeah. How often now do you really want to sit and watch somebody else play? Dude, I don't know. YouTube's a thing. Twitch. Well, <laughs> That's what okay. people do now. <laughs> I guess that's that's now, true. I've never been one to watch people play, but that is what it's what people do. <laughs> but that was always my tell is, you know, with and Super Nintendo was always playing Mario Kart or something we both could play. And then when it went to the 64, I'm like, no, I don't care if it's your turn. You play. I just want to watch. Like, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> you were a better person than I, I was like, give me the controllers my turn. <laughs> No, I, I get what you're saying, though. Like, And that's, like, even, like, I mean, in some of the more cinematic games, like Horizon or Uncharted or whatever, like, they can't, like, even if you're not playing, they're they're so immersive that they're just fun to watch. It's like watching a show. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's a developed movie. Uh-huh. Exactly. I, I, yeah. I do miss that feeling. It's not something you get very often anymore, that, that big aha moment. But I, I don't know. I doubt we're done. I think we'll have something else in the future. I don't know what it is, but... I like to believe it's coming. Virtual Boy 2. The VB2. <laughs> oh, man. It's still red and black for some reason. <laughs> oh. But multiple dimensions of red and black. Oh, so many colors. So many red and black. Uh, all right, man. Well, I guess that's a, a good point to, to end it there. But that was fun. I like talking about all of this history and the past and and a lot of specs and stuff stuff that I don't really know much about but I didn't realize that the the PS3 and the 360 were that close and the Wii was that far behind yeah. and the Wii U was still behind <laughs> <laughs> yep. I did not know that it felt like the Wii U was at least on par but eh, so you have it but again they could have just been utilizing it better they could have and they probably did Nintendo knows what they're doing with their stuff yeah so but thanks for coming on here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was yep. fun chatting it through it. Definitely was. We'll have to have you on again sometime in the future. Sounds good. Talk about some more revolutions. Absolutely. <laughs> so, all right. Well, on that note, uh, keep in mind you can uh, follow me on Instagram at xbuttongaming or on Twitter on x- at xbuttongaming1. And remember to always press X to continue. <laughs> <laughs>